This week on Inside Motorsport, we look at Formula One and also preview this weekend's 1000 at Bathurst. I hope you'll stay with us. Lachlan Mansell joins us on the line and Lockie, uh, well, first of all, Formula One has been uh, really saddened by the incident at the Japanese Formula One Grand Prix and all thoughts are with Jules Bianchi after that horrendous crash. Overshadowed by that shocking, shocking crash for Jules Bianchi in the Marussia. What happened, it was a wet race and Adrian Sutil in the Sauber aquaplaned off the circuit at one of the corners, crashed. Sutil's car was being recovered by one of the recovery cranes and Bianchi aquaplaned at the same corner and crashed into the recovery crane. And while Formula One cars might be designed to be as safe as possible in impacts with other Formula One cars or with barriers, they're certainly not designed to impact with recovery cranes and yeah, as, as we record this episode, Jules Bianchi's in a Japanese hospital in a critical condition so our thoughts are certainly with him and his family at what is a very, very difficult time for the sport. Yeah, it is indeed and of course uh, it did cut short the race uh, by I think it was six, six laps in the end but interestingly for the entire week leading into this Japanese Grand Prix, they knew a typhoon was expected, and yet they still insisted on running the the race very late in the afternoon Japanese time. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one for the Formula One organisers because I can understand that there's obviously broadcast commitments with television networks right around the world and to try and reschedule the timing of the race would have caused a lot of logistical difficulties. And the conditions, although they were bad, they were no worse than a lot of the other Formula One races. So I don't think it's a case of saying that Bianchi's accident was caused necessarily just by the conditions on their own. And you have to ask the question, would it have been a different circumstance had there been a safety car? That's, that's the thing we need to make quite clear here. Um, the field was not under safety car conditions when Bianchi crashed. Yes, there was a yellow flag in that section of the circuit, but there was no safety car. So I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be a pretty interesting time as the FIA investigate that incident and, and look at what can be done to make sure things like that don't happen again in the future. Mm. Certainly throughout the uh, 90s, early 2000s, it was the uh, sort of Komatsu cranes going out and picking up cars were not common. They were using large cranes to pick the race cars up from outside the circuit. And, and perhaps there's been a bit of complacency because of the great safety record of Formula One, these Komatsu-type vehicles coming out onto the circuit whilst they are still in a racing situation. That's exactly right. And it's not the first time this year that we've seen situations like that. We saw a similar incident where Esteban Gutierrez's car was retrieved at the hairpin at the German Grand Prix under yellow flag conditions by one of the cranes. Um, and Sutil's car, again, at the German Grand Prix was retrieved from the middle of the track, again, just under yellow flag conditions without a safety car. So, you know, the officials have got away with it in the past, and unfortunately on this occasion they did it, and the consequences were, were very, very severe. Mm. Now, on big circuits we've seen this year in the Le Mans series, particularly at Le Mans, they have had a a ruling that you have to, when a yellow flag's out, rather than calling for a full 
circuit safety car situation, you have to go through a yellow flag section under the pit limiter speed. And uh, there's penalties applied if you go through a section of track that's under caution at any higher speed. Correct. And, and even um, at the Dubai 24-hour endurance race, they've done away with safety cars altogether. And they've gone to what they call Code 60, where if there's an incident, the officials can immediately declare a Code 60 situation where everybody slows down to 60 kilometres an hour. And the other benefit of that situation is that there's no field compression. So if somebody's built up a race lead, they don't then lose it by the field compression as you would get with the safety car. And similarly, you don't get the restart situation when the safety car peels in, which often leads to more accidents, hence the old cliche, safety cars breed safety cars. Yep. It is uh, something that's going to have to be looked at, I'm sure. Of course, also in Formula One news, uh, we have got uh, Mercedes well out in front in this year's competition. But interestingly, uh, the story going into Japan wasn't Mercedes' dominance. It was that Sebastian Vettel is leaving Red Bull at the end of the year and most likely taking Fernando Alonso's place at Ferrari. Yeah, massive news, which... Although there's been a bit of speculation in the press, I don't think anybody expected the announcement to come out quite as suddenly and dramatically as what it did in the lead-up to the Japanese Grand Prix. But, yep, Sebastian Vettel's off. He's, he's decided that after winning four championships with Red Bull Racing, he's ready for another challenge, headed seemingly to Ferrari to replace, as you say, Fernando Alonso. It looks like Fernando Alonso may be heading to McLaren, although that's certainly not confirmed yet in any official sense and Danny Kvyat gets a promotion from the Toro Rosso squad to Red Bull Racing to partner up with Daniel Ricciardo for next year so it's kicked off a whole silly season shuffle of uh, musical chairs of epic proportions heading into 2015. And probably the big question that still hangs over uh, that is what's going to happen with Caterham and there is a trigger for numbers of teams entered that will then allow some of the bigger teams to put three cars on the grid, which will reinvigorate a whole brand new silly season if that trigger is brought into play. Correct. Although for that to happen, my understanding is it would need three of the teams that are currently on the grid to not be there next year. The, the trigger for teams to go to three cars is that the grid size has to drop below 20 cars. And that would only happen if we lost three teams. Now, while we may lose one team at the end of this year, with obviously the question marks over Caterham, I think it's unlikely that we will lose three. Mm. Well, turning our attention from Formula One to Australian motorsport and the V8 supercars, Bathurst 1000 is this weekend, Lachlan, and quite interesting. Four performance racing are going in there as the defending champions. But after having a, a very strong early part of the season, they've been swamped more recently in the championship. They've faded away, haven't they, to the point where Mark Winterbottom, who was leading the championship several rounds ago, is now struggling to finish any races inside the top ten. In fact, himself and Steve Owen only managed to finish in 10th position at the Sandown 500. So you would have to say, based on current form 
that if Ford Performance Racing are a chance of defending their Bathurst crown, it's probably their second car with Chaz Mostert and Paul Morris that looks to be the better chance at the moment. Of course, uh, people are talking about the Courtney and Murphy team being favourite, completely ignoring the form guide, which says Dumbrell and the five-time V8 supercar champion Jamie Winkup should be installed as the, the roaring favourites in my eyes. Based on their performance at Sandown, you'd have to say that that's the case. Yes, Murphy and Courtney were good, but Dumbrell and Winkup were better. And while Paul Dumbrell's obviously been a very good co-driver from Winkup over the last couple of years in the endurance races, I think this year he's going to be even better based on the regular seat time that he's been gathering in the Dunlop series. Mm. And of course, whilst you mentioned the Dunlop series, a lot of drivers doing double duty with a very interesting mini enduro for the Dunlop drivers, a 250-kilometre race on the Saturday, which will give them a lot more seat time, well, probably significantly more seat time than what they normally get if they were just running a sprint round of the Dunlop series and then in the Bathurst 1000. More seat time and, and a pretty big physical challenge as well for, for some of the drivers, particularly those who are choosing to run solo in the Dunlop series race on the Saturday and do the full 250km race distance on their own and then back up the next day on the Sunday and do a lot of laps in the 1000 as well, but that's going to be a very competitive and enthralling race in its own right with a lot of extra elements for all the Dunlop series teams to contend with, with pit stops and race strategy and driver changes and endurance. Mm, well, Lachlan, always a pleasure to catch up with you on Inside Motorsport and look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.